It is 6 August, Sunday. I'm Charlie Garrett, and this is the CT Prophecy Report. Creating a climate crisis. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. All right, let's see, we got some news from Israel. You know, before I give you the news from Israel, I wanna tell you, um, we really thought that the mango season was all over. Uh, A couple have fallen over the past week and most of them have been eaten by the rabbits and stuff. But this morning I walked out there and there was the biggest mango I think I've ever seen in my life. Wasn't that huge? It's enormous. Came down, it didn't squash or anything. So it's at the house. I did not bring it in for you all though, because on the bottom, a squirrel did take two little bites. That always cuts off, but I'm not going to bring you a defective mango. But this, I should have taken a picture of it. This was really big. That's probably the last one. There may be another one up there somewhere. But uh, just so you all know, no mango for you. Not for another 11 months. Let's see. News from Israel, from the Times of Israel. Prime Minister warns of uncharted territory if high court strikes down the reasonableness law. Now, you know this has been going on. I haven't reported on it a lot because everybody else is talking about it. It's all over the news, but um, they have a very liberal uh, Supreme Court. Uh, They do not have a constitution in the nation of Israel. And so the government is established, but there's no constitution. So it doesn't define the role of the Supreme Court and this and that. So now the government has been elected, duly elected. They have passed a law to put restraints on the Supreme Court, something that cannot happen in the United States of America because we have a constitution. Right now, the Democrats are saying, yes, that can happen, and we're going to impose restrictions on the Supreme Court. Justice Alito came out and said, no, that cannot happen. And then that uh, Kagan woman came out and she disagreed with him and says it can happen. Well, she's a peanut head. Her voice has no bearing at all. The Constitution of the United States of America governs our laws, the broader laws. We have a Second Amendment. You cannot remove that without that being approved by all of the states, uh, a majority, what is it, three quarters is it? Okay, three quarters of the states, it has to be either three quarters or two thirds of the House and the Senate. It's never going to happen. You know, it's just not going to happen. But that's how we work. They don't work that way. But now the duly elected government in Israel has passed a law to, I'm explaining this in case you don't understand what's going on. They have passed this law to put restraints on the judiciary similar to what we have in America, okay? The premier also claimed he has no intention of removing Attorney General Galil Baharav Miara from her position amid mounting calls from his right flank to do so. And a bill submitted and quickly retracted by a Likud lawmaker and indicated that he plans to use the new reasonableness law to reappoint Aryeh Derry, head of the ultra-Orthodox Shas party as minister. All of these things wouldn't work if the Supreme Court was still in, you know, if they did not pass this law. But with passing this law, they should be able to do these things. It depends on what happens, of course, with the legislation. We have to see. But if it stands, I expect it to happen. Netanyahu said in response to a direct question about whether he would seek to reappoint Derry. The court had used the reasonableness clause in a bombshell decision in January to rule that Derry's appointment as interior and health minister was unreasonable in the extreme due to his criminal convictions. 
most recently for tax fraud in 2022 and forced Netanyahu to remove him from his roles. The premier gave separate interviews downplaying the effects of his government's divisive judicial overhaul, saying the first law passed in the legislative package was a minor correction and that fears for Israel's democracy were silly. Netanyahu also refused to say whether he would abide by any potential ruling overturning the reasonableness law. So here we go. They've passed the law and said, we are going to do this. The judiciary is now limited. The judiciary may come out and say, we're overturning that law, and that will cause a real crisis in Israel. The duly elected government has passed this law. There's not a constitution to say they can't. The Supreme Court could come and usurp that and then we've got a problem. That's what is going on, which prevents judicial oversight of government and ministerial decisions on the grounds of reasonableness. What you're talking about is a situation or potential situation where, in American terms, the U.S. Supreme Court would take a constitutional amendment and say it's unconstitutional, okay? They can't do that. It has to go through the process outlined in the Constitution itself, all right? That's the kind of spiral you're talking about, and I hope we don't get to that. Warning that it could mean entering uncharted territory. Unlike the U.S. and other democracies, however, Israel's only real check on the governing majority is the court system. Israel does not have a constitution or a system of state governance, for example, and has a unicameral legislature in which the executive and legislative branches function in tandem. Next article, Times of Israel. Unprecedented 15-judge panel to hear petitions against coalition's reasonableness law. They look like they're going to do exactly what he said would be terrible. Supreme Court President Esther Hayut issued a statement according to which she had decided that every justice on the court would preside over a hugely significant and explosive hearing against the reasonableness law, which, together with the rest of the Netanyahu coalition's judicial overhaul agenda, has created an unprecedented protest movement against the government. The eight petitions the court has accepted against the law will be heard on September 12th. Now, I'd like to say that we do not appeal to popularity. That is a fallacy. They're saying that, what did I just read you? It said it has created an unprecedented protest movement against the government. That's an appeal to popularity. The majority of these people don't like it, and therefore we are going to support it, even though a majority of all of the citizens elected Netanyahu and his government into power. But a majority of miscreants, they're going to listen to. Does everybody see that? It's an appeal to popularity. It is not the way to run a government. The law, an amendment to the basic law, the judiciary prohibits the court from reviewing government and ministerial decisions through the judicial reasonableness standard. Opponents of the law say the reasonableness standard serves as a critical safeguard against arbitrary or capricious government actions or decisions made for inappropriate reasons, especially with regard to the dismissal of key law enforcement officials. Well, they could make the exact same argument against the judiciary. They are doing this in whatever arbitrary or capricious manner they want. If they're all a bunch of lefties, then 
that can be hurled right back at them. So this is unreasonable to look at the unreasonableness clause, which has been passed by the government that was duly elected. The coalition argues, however, that the Supreme Court has abused the standard. There you go. And that it gave the court too broad a scope to intervene in government policy. The government sets a law. They come in and say, we don't like it because these lefties over here don't like it and we're going to go with them. It's a bad way of running government, but that's exactly what the left wants in this country right here. We have some news concerning Christianity from CFP. Jesus references excluded. I get a tickle from this. It's a little long, but when you get to the end, you'll know why I like it. Jesus references excluded from 4-H livestock show. The 4-H club was started as a youth program in 1902 by A.B. Graham, located in Clark County, Ohio. It was originally known as the Tomato Club or the Corn Growing Club. The symbol of the club is a four-leaf clover, which has nothing to do with tomatoes or corn, but that's okay, with each leaf brandishing a capital H. The H's stand for head, heart, hand, and health. The accompanying motto is stated while the pledge holds his right hand to his forehead. The motto is, I pledge my head to clearer thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to larger service, and my health to better living for my club, my community, my country, and my world. The motto stands like it's based on strong principles, a clear, rational mind, a loyal heart, hands busy serving others, and maintaining good health for strength to accomplish all that you can. Everything in the motto is positive. So the 4-H program run by Oregon State University's Extension Service needs to explain why they disregarded their own motto to discriminate against Christian children. The problem came about when the children were told that they could not wear clothing that promoted Christianity. The restrictions could not be pettier or more ridiculous. They're obviously nothing more than political harassment. One child who was involved in a livestock show was told that he needed to turn his shirt inside out because it had a picture of a cross on it. The child is a member of Faithful Farmers. Still others were told that they couldn't wear shirts that displayed the phrase Joe's Place because it was an acronym for Jesus Over Everything. Jennifer Alexander, a spokesperson for OSU, offered this feeble excuse basing the objections on a technicality. Personal religious expression, including wearing clothing or jewelry with religious symbols, is permitted. However, the Faithful Farmers Club t-shirts were club shirts purchased with 4-H funds. In an interview with local TV station, the 4-H club coordinator, Lisa Parlett, spewed forth more political boilerplate. OSU has a religious neutrality clause, so we as an organization can't require youth to be affiliated with a certain religion, and we can't require them to wear religious-affiliated items at club level. The problem with Parlette's statement is that the children were not wearing the shirts because they were required to, or because they are required to be affiliated with a certain religion. So her statement actually has nothing at all to do with the triviality of the OSU complaints. In a show of unity, Josephine County decided to fight back and demonstrate that they would not be pushed around. First, 300 children left 4-H and started their own organization calling it Youth and Ag of Josephine County. Only 49 children stayed with 4-H. 
Then, in a move that will surely give the 4-H zealots something to ponder, Josephine County totally defunded the program, meaning that their narrow-minded decision to eliminate God will cost them approximately $400,000. I just love that. I love how that ended. From the Christian Post, judge dismisses church's lawsuit challenging Washington law mandating abortion coverage. A federal judge has rejected a church's argument that a Washington state law forced faith-based organizations to cover elective abortions in their employee health plan violates the church's religious freedom rights. You have no rights when you are getting insurance, in other words. You must abort children and pay for it. Judge Benjamin Settle of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Washington sided with the state by determining that Senate Bill 6219 is a neutral and that there is no evidence it was enacted to target any particular religion. But it sure targets the little unborn baby that the religion doesn't want to murder, right? That'll go to the Supreme Court and it will be overthrown, I'm sure. Mail Online, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville agrees to pay $80,000 to a Christian student for slapping her with a no-contact order, listen to this, over her police and pro-Kyle Rittenhouse views. She's pro-police, pro-Kyle Rittenhouse, and this professor said, you cannot talk to any other student. Southern Illinois, Edwardsville settled suit filed by former grad student Maggie DeJong sued over the school's order barring contact with other students. Three classmates had complained about her conservative views and opinions. And she got $80,000 out of it. I just love it. You know, some people are just so, so, so arrogant. Yeah, stupid. It's just unbelievable. You can't talk to any other students because you might offend them. Unbelievable. Okay, we got some news from the Mideast in Africa today. Daily news. Shirtless man pumping gas in Brooklyn stabbed to death by offended Muslim stranger. A shirtless man whose friend was dancing exuberantly as they pumped gas, <laughs> whatever, at a Brooklyn mobile station was stabbed to death by a stranger who said the man's antics were offensive to the killer Muslim's faith. The New York Police Department is investigating the caught-on-video killing as a possible hate crime. It's only possible at this point. The mayhem started when the victim pulled up to the mobile gas station on Coney Island Avenue. He and his four friends, all shirtless in swim trunks on the hottest days of the year, got out of their white sedan to pump gas. A friend of the victim in small, tight trunks, a witness described as underwear, began dancing. Okay, he's wearing, you know, like these French and German people do out on Turtle Beach. And that's probably what he looked like, whatever. Um, that's when a group of men exiting the mobile station started harassing the 28-year-old victim, clad in pink swim trunks and his pals, according to Sammy Ula, 32, who witnessed the argument and slaying. They were saying, oh, we're Muslim, so don't do this in front of me, said Ula. From that, I think it looks like a hate crime. Nothing else was going on. They were only dancing, he added. The guy was dancing in underwear, and the suspect was like, why are you dancing in your underwear? Ula says he believes the stabber was motivated by homophobia. Well, wearing pink underwear is probably the case, but that's irrelevant. The guy has a right to be an idiot in public. Obviously, they are gay, and if they are dancing, that's 
the problem that they had. He said, you like girls, you like to look into girls, but we are not into girls. Ulu said the victim's group told the men harassing them, we have our own life. We can do whatever we want. You know, we're dancing. That's our life. The video shows the stabbing happened in a split second with the shocked victim still on his feet as a crowd gathered around him. Medics rushed the victim, stabbed in the torso to Mayamandi's medical center, but he couldn't be saved. His name was not immediately released. From the Times of Israel, this guy's offended about this homosexual attitude. Iranian official promoting Islamic values suspended over alleged gay sex tape. Video said to show Gilan province's head of culture and Islamic guidance, Reza Sagadi, engaged in sexual relations with another man. So apparently it's in Islam too is the point I'm making. Mail Online, London's famous, this kind of really bothers me. My friend who lives in this area sent it to me and she is very upset about it. But this is what they... I don't know if they ever actually did this. Remember after the towers fell and the mosque, they wanted to build it right across the street like eight minutes later as a sign of victory. Did that ever get built? I don't think it did. Okay, well, this is the same kind of thing. London's famous Trocadero is being turned into a mosque. A Muslim billionaire is building a giant mosque in the heart of London's entertainment quarter. Asif Aziz, 56, a property tycoon known as Mr. West End, is establishing the three-story House of Prayer and Islamic Center inside the Trocadero, which is situated between Piccadilly Circus and Soho, right right downtown. The three-story House of Prayer, which will have a capacity of 390 worshipers, will fill the space left vacant when a metro cinema closed down in 2006. So admittedly, it's been empty for a long time, but Whatever. Previous proposals for a 1,000-capacity mosque on the site were withdrawn in 2020, following a backlash from residents as well as far-right groups. Well, that's not changing. The people still don't want this, but they're doing it now. But a planning application for a smaller development was approved at the end of May by Westminster Council. It is thought that the mosque, which may be called Piccadilly Prayer Space, could be open within months. But critics have questioned whether it should be built in an area filled with alcohol-serving bars. Here's the problem. Nightclubs and Soho's gay venues and strip joints, all of which are shunned by Islam as sinful. That's where the problem comes in. It's an entertainment district. They have all of this other stuff, and Muslims are famous for doing this. They go into an area, they put in a mosque, and then they immediately start complaining about everything going on around them and they start having things closed down. They don't like that a store doesn't serve halal meat and they demand that it serves it. A Jew will move into an area and he'll say, we don't have any kosher meat. I'm starting a kosher meat shop. And he becomes a little entrepreneur and becomes a millionaire and eventually owns half of New York City. He has done something with himself without imposing his values on other people. These people do not do that. That area is going to turn into a disaster of people being stabbed, people being accused, people being accosted, places being shut down because of that. That's what's going to happen. We'll, we'll follow it. Mark my words, that's coming. Okay, we got something interesting from Mongolia. Global Voices. Mongolia turns to 
its dinosaurs in an attempt to attract more tourists. Now, this is the fourth, maybe the fifth article just this year on attracting tourists. They've done it with this. They've done it with this. They've done it. Well, now they're doing dinosaurs. So, obviously, they're not getting the tourists that they thought they were going to get with the other four. On July 29th and 30th, Mongolia will host it, and it's over now, this is a week ago, its first ever dinosaur festival, which the organizers plan to turn into a regular annual event to attract tourists. The date and location of the event have been carefully picked as they carry an enormous importance for the world paleontological community. Exactly 100 years ago, the director of the American Museum of Natural History, Roy Chapman Andrews, discovered dinosaur eggs for the first time at the Bayanzog site. The discovery was groundbreaking at the time as it proved that dinosaurs laid eggs, just as birds do today, and birthed a theory that birds are descendants of dinosaurs. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Once again, that is called a theory because it has never been proven. There's nothing to prove evolution. There's nothing to prove the Big Bang theory. Okay, these are theories that have no substance at all in them. Zero. I'm sorry, they do not. They are theories, and so that's fine. People can theorize all they want. But to suddenly impose this thinking on somebody when it is a theory is not appropriate. But that's what they're doing. Okay, Creation science is also a theory. It's supported by the Bible, but it is a theory. Until something can actually be proved, it remains a theory. That's my point on that. Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times from science. This is kind of cool, actually. AI brings clarity to fuzzy night vision images. You've all seen night vision, and it's fuzzy. Okay, It clears it up. This is very interesting to me, and you'll understand some of the applications here in just a second. Thermal images are typically monochrome, grainy, and more or less obscure. But a new technique for analyzing them could change that, producing images nearly as crisp and clear as those taken in daylight with conventional cameras. Based on AI, the approach could, among other things, help self-driving cars to see better at night. Computer vision is commonplace in technology such as face-detecting selfie cameras and self-driving cars. These devices typically employ conventional cameras that capture the ambient visible light reflected by objects and other methods like radar and lidar, which send out radio waves and laser beams to map the surroundings. But seeing in the dark can be as much of a challenge for machines as it is for humans. Cameras cannot capture images well in the dark, in which there is no reflected light, and radar and lidar are prone to interference. This poses a challenge for high-risk applications such as self-driving cars, where errors can lead to potentially fatal failures to break or recognize pedestrians. Thermal imaging, which reconstructs a scene by capturing the infrared light radiated by objects in the environment, could help. But it has been underexplored as a means of assisting computer vision. One barrier is the fact that every object emits heat signals, making conventional thermal imaging a bit like attempting to photograph a landscape in which every blade of grass, tree, and pebble is aglow. A lot of signal, as well as a lot of noise and clutter, is all entering the camera together. 
This leads to a ghosting effect in which objects have a vague, low-resolution appearance and can be hard to tell apart. To get rid of the ghosts, Jacob and his team resorted to AI, training a program called Neural Network to sort through the infrared signal from an ordinary thermal camera to separate an object's characteristic heat signature from the environmental noise that causes ghosting. To do this, they trained the algorithm to recognize the unique emission spectra of known materials, such as glass, wood, fabric, or leaves, or whatever. By identifying these known signatures within a scene, the algorithm characterizes the objects it observes. What remains, then, are the environmental signals and noise that bounced off those objects and into the camera. By working backward, to assess how the noise signals were reflected and scattered, the algorithm can fill in information about each object's texture, furnishing the image with a higher level of detail. The processed image clearly shows individual objects and textures, and it can identify the materials that things are made of. Crucially, the analysis also provides depth information, or ranging, key data for any technology that might be used by autonomous vehicles. The technology can generate an image with the same level of detail and accuracy as a conventional camera would achieve in bright daylight. If you see it, it is unbelievable. They show you a picture of a place in bright daylight, what it looks like under thermal imaging, and then with the AI, and it looks just like the first picture. Not quite as clear, but just like it. It's amazing. Ultimately, they hope the technology could have a wide range of applications, from making self-driving cars safer to helping biologists track wildlife from afar and soldiers in the military can bang somebody out at two miles distance again just like in bright daylight and all that kind of stuff so there are military applications obviously but just for you know local tech you could go out with a camera at night just any camera once they have this ai take a picture at middle of night and you have it just like the daytime it's it's really rather amazing Okay, it's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of. From Zero Hedge, Central Florida, leprosy capital of the USA. You probably heard this. If you didn't, it's very interesting. Yes, it is. A long-suppressed dread disease appears to be taking up permanent residence in America's southeast, with Florida emerging as a principal hotspot. Leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease. Caused by slow-growing bacteria, it can affect nerves, skin, eyes, and nasal lining. While early treatment can be highly effective, a neglected case can lead to crippling disfigurement, paralysis, and blindness. Cases in America most recently peaked in 1980, followed by a dramatic decline. Since 2000, however, cases have been gradually rising and have doubled in the southeastern states. Central Florida accounts for nearly one-fifth of all cases in the United States. The numbers themselves aren't alarming yet, eight cases in Florida in 2023. However, what's especially concerning is that the recent infections don't appear to have originated from foreign travel to high-risk countries like India, Brazil, and Bangladesh, where the spread of leprosy is concerned. The CD says contact with anybody armadillos could play a role. If you've never had an armadillo, you just have one. They're delicious. 
It's like having everything on an eggshell. You turn it upside down, cook that baby, put all your stuff in there, and then you just eat it out of its shell. Anyway, uh, armadillos are the only other animal that carries leprosy. And so they're all over the place. You often see them squashed on the road because they don't move very quickly. Um, but that is what is causing this, is armadillos. A high percentage of unrelated leprosy cases in the southern U.S. were found to carry the same unique strain of M. leprae as nine banded armadillos in the region, suggesting a strong likelihood of zoonotic transmission, meaning coming from the zoo or an animal. A study suggests that handling and eating armadillo meat is far more risky than casual contact. Well, you think so? Assuming you don't eat armadillos, you're far more likely to catch leprosy from a human. Yeah, so uh, they recommend you don't eat armadillos anymore. But if you want to, I will tell you, go on YouTube, and there are some great videos on how to cook armadillos. <laughs> uh, great videos. Uh, you know, what are the uh, things that always fall out of the trees in the cold? Um, no, iguanas. Iguanas taste like chicken. And you can cook them. They have all kinds of, you know, uh, videos for that on YouTube. There is not a an animal on this planet that somebody does not have a YouTube video for. You want to cook a, no kidding, they've got a site that has roadkill, roadkill cooking. You want, you find a possum, it's still not terrible yet, take it home and they'll show you how to cook it, anything. So if you're a, a, a liker of meat like me, watch YouTube. Okay, um, oh, does anybody here remember the word for leprosy in the Bible, the, the Hebrew word? I said it like 1,800 times during the Leviticus 13 sermons. Anybody? No. Tsara'at. Okay. Don't forget that. Okay. Morality is declining from Breitbart. More than 100... Remember last week I said that they banned uh, males from entering into the uh, Miss Italy contest? Remember that? So what happened? More than 100 trans men, meaning women that have converted to men, enter... Miss Italy pageant after trans woman ban. So trans women, men going to women cannot enter, but they have no rule that says that a trans man, meaning a woman that went to a man, can't enter. And in protest, all these trans men are entering the woman's... Yeah, there you go. This is the state of the world in which we're living right now. From Politico, Republicans dominate in Florida. Abortion and pot could change that. That's what the left is looking to change the society in Florida. Murder and getting stoned. That is their agenda. And think of that. Think of that title right there. And then just think of what, I'm not going to read you the article, but just think of what the article talks about. That They want to get Florida back and they think that the key to it is killing babies and getting stoned. That's the Democrat Party of the United States of America right now. That's their agenda. From the National Pulse, 100% of Dems vote against, 100% of them, veteran help bill, citing lack of trans care. No trans care, we're not going to support our veterans. That's the Democrat Party of the United States of America right now. From the AP, judge blocks Arkansas law allowing librarians to be criminally charged over harmful materials. If you, as a librarian, order harmful pornographic materials and put it in your library, we will charge you. And a judge blocked that. You can have porno for little children in a library in Arkansas because of that judge. 
that's the Democrat Party of the United States of America right there. This Life News. Florida. No, absolutely. Children's book tries to convince kids that, listen to this. I talked about the retirement package in Canada recently. When you retire, they give you a brochure about euthanasia. Listen to this. Life News. Children's book tries to convince kids that euthanizing people is okay. Little kids this big. Canadian Virtual Hospice, with its medical assistance in dying activity book, described as being for children ages 6 through 12. In it, the child is taught how a person is killed during euthanasia and their activities for the child. You got a little coloring book and the kid just sits there and colors the book. Activity, draw or write about your ideas and feelings about the person in your life who is choosing MAID, which is killing yourself. You can share this sheet with someone in your family or a healthcare member uh, who can help you with your questions, ideas, and feelings. Using blank paper or the picture below, decorate it to look like you and the person. Write or draw what you think they think or feel about choosing MAID in the space around them. The child has choices too. Would you like to spend time with them before they have MAID? Where would you like to be when the person is having MAID? If you're going to visit them, would you like to bring something? This is what they're indoctrinating little children with in Canada now. Remember, it wasn't that long ago I said when they were just starting this, I said, you wait. Oh, it's going to be only in the most extreme circumstances. Very few people will ever be euthanized, and they're euthanizing people that are poor now and indoctrinating children and giving brochures to people. She got her retirement last week. Did you get a brochure about euthanasia? I got one right here. Let me give it to you. Okay. Now, I've just gotten done saying that Canada wants to euthanize everybody. I mean, there's nobody. You go in there with the flu or a sniffle and you say, I want to die and they will euthanize you. Listen to this next article and think of what the agenda is. Mail online. Trans indigenous Canadian slams doctors for denying her euthanasia request, saying death would be better than her constant pain from a surgically built female part. Anybody there can get euthanized for any reason, but they will not euthanize a trans person. That's an agenda. Unbelievable. Other news. Fox. It's not climate change that's causing heat waves this summer, but no one wants to explain why. On Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday a week ago, because I got this uh, at the end of last week, I do believe. Maybe it was this Tuesday. I can't remember now. On Tuesday, U.S. media outlets published a wave of stories about supposedly historic heat waves in Europe and North America. Although certain parts of the U.S. have undoubtedly experienced strong heat waves this summer, there's no reason to believe these weather events are evidence that the world is hurtling towards climate change catastrophe. In fact, the best available evidence suggests that heat waves recorded a century ago were more problematic than anything we're seeing today. According to data from the University Climate Change Science Program, which is made available by the EPA, the annual heat wave index for the contiguous 48 states was substantially higher in the 1930s than at any point in recent years. In some years in the 1930s, it was four times greater or even more. 
Also, the NOAA has a large database of daily temperatures that go back to 1948. NOAA used 1,066 weather stations located across the United States to collect this data. According to NOAA, huge swaths of the U.S. have experienced a significant decrease in abnormally hot days recorded since 1948, especially in the Midwest and northern and eastern Texas. Although it's true that some parts of the U.S. have seen the number of hotter-than-usual days increase over the past 70 years, including in California and the New York metropolitan area, both of which happen to be areas where a large number of media outlets are located, most weather stations have shown no meaningful changes or even declines. Meteorologist Anthony Watts, who works with me at a, as a senior fellow at the Heartland Institute, analyzed NOAA's data in detail and found that 81% of the weather stations used NOAA's database reported that since 1948, there has either been a decrease or no change in the number of unusually hot days. If the available data so clearly revealed that there is no heat wave crisis, why are media outlets suggesting the opposite is true? The answer is sloppy, irresponsible media reporting combined with cherry-picked data. Anyone who wants to show a long-term warming or cooling trend can do so by selectively choosing starting and ending points in data sets that will provide the answer you're looking for. For instance, if you start your examination of historic temperatures with figures collected in the 1970s when temperatures were unusually low compared to the rest of the century, then current temperatures look abnormally high. When many media outlets and left-wing politicians talk about climate change data, they almost always selectively choose a range that offers an incomplete picture of the larger available data set. <laughs> This makes it appear as though today's temperatures are historic when they are actually well within normal historical ranges. Another problem is that media outlets have been using temperature forecasts in their news reports as if those figures were actual temperature data. A forecast is by definition a guess. And some alarmist analysts have recently made a bad habit of incorrectly predicting insanely high temperatures that never come to fruition. For example, The Telegraph published an article on July 18th in which the author claimed the European Space Agency said thermometers could tip 48 degrees in Sardinia and Sicily, while the temperatures in Rome and Madrid could both reach mid to high 40s. In drought-stricken Spain, temperatures were set to reach highs of 44 degrees Celsius in Catalonia. If the available data so clearly revealed that there is no heat wave crisis, why are media outlets suggesting the opposite is true? The answer is sloppy, irresponsible media reporting combined with cherry-picked data. None of these predictions came true. None of them. In fact, some of them were off by several degrees or more. There you go. That's what's going on. Breitbart. Garbage in, garbage out. 96% of NOAA temperature stations fail uncorrupted placement standards. They have been moving them to places like on top of 
parking lots where it's 9,000 degrees, where it's 82 degrees over there. 96% of NOAA temperature stations now fail the uncorrupted placement standards. They're moving them to locations that are naturally going to read falsely. Breitbart, man-made climate change. Majority of Greek wildfires result of arson, minister admits. Western Journal, climate change theory up in smoke as drone video shows man sparking wildfire in Italy. So all this stuff that they're saying is happening in Europe is not happening, except by a bunch of lefties. Gateway Pundit, this is bad, bad, bad news for Brazil. It's just what they're trying to do here. Brazil, socialist Lula da Silva imposes gun control on all citizens, reversing Bolsonaro's policies that actually reduced crime. The new gun decree introduces new restrictions based on left-wing ideological criteria rather than technical aspects. The new law prevents civilians from acquiring firearms and prohibits citizens from buying 38, 40, 45, ACP, and 9mm caliber guns. Lula has also banned the purchase of semi-automatic firearms. Those who possess firearms with prohibited calibers will have to sell them to the state. Lula will establish a gun buyback program for the now prohibited weapons. I'm sure that every thief and every murderer and every criminal will be right there handing in their guns. Everywhere they've done this on this planet, the crime rate has risen. Bolsonaro's gun policy brought positive results for Brazil. Recently, data from the Brazilian Public Security Forum indicated a 2.4% reduction in the number of violent deaths in the country. Despite the positive numbers, Lula has chosen an aggressive gun control policy. His favorable stance towards left-wing dictatorships in Venezuela and Nicaragua has raised concerns among citizens who own firearms, as they fear the dangers of totalitarianism with these gun control policies in Brazil. Mail Online. California and New York lose $640 million of tax revenue to migration as conservative Florida and Texas see coffers boosted by $23.1 billion. <laughs> Newsmax. Russia's Medvedev. You know, this is going to shock some of you, and I'm going to explain why I totally agree with it. We'd have to use a nuclear weapon if Ukrainian offensive was a success. If they start going into Russia and Russia has its back against the wall, oh, we're not going to use the weapons we designed to not be destroyed. I mean, that's why you have them. That's why the, what was the, the uh, motto of Strategic Air Command? Uh, peace through strength. If you don't have them, you can't demonstrate strength. And if you do have them and you're losing, you use them. Yeah, right up until yeah, right up until Clinton is the one that got that out of there. It may have happened under Obama, but Clinton is the one that got the security degree decree on that. They had their own nukes in the Ukraine and they don't anymore. This is what happens. It's left wing. It's the left wing in this world that just causes all of these problems. Unreal. Okay, let's see here. Zero hedge. Big drop in cardboard box sales screams recession. They watch these things. And this past week, they had a giant drop in cardboard box sales. 
everything is shipped by cardboard boxes. Everything. If you are not selling cardboard boxes, your economy is, somebody figures we better not overstock boxes because we're not going to have a need for them. Got it? We'll see. It's just an article, just a highlight. I have no idea, but we'll see. If the economy continues to tank, which I would expect it would, that will be one of the indicators. Zero hedge. South African Black Party chants kill the boar, meaning the whites, kill the farmer. A day later, a farmer was killed and his wife, I think she was raped or at least she was damaged. They're down there in a stadium. Kill the whites. Kill the whites. And the world doesn't say anything about this. Nothing. Just imagine that. You got one guy in, what is it, uh, Michigan or Minnesota, whatever, George Floyd, and he died. He was a criminal. He died and the whole world comes apart. These people are crying out in a stadium. Kill the whites. They're the... South African Black Party. I don't know. I just, I don't understand how people can't see this as wrong. Okay, who said it? If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Very good. George Orwell. Forever. That is a picture of the future because of progressive liberalism. Uh, we were talking about birthdays a while ago because it's the first Sunday of the month and there's a birthday person right there. You, August birthday, August birthday. So make sure you remember that for her. She walked in late, okay, so I'm picking on her. Okay, I've got a, and there's birthday cake for you back there, okay? Uh, Mary Lee makes birthday cake once a month for all the birthday people and uh, so we got one, two, we got three of them here. Okay, um, who said it? I've said that one. I got a lesser here for you. High temperatures really aren't so. The forecast is fudged, don't you know? We're average at best. The rest is just guessed. Their agenda is plain as your nose. Okay, I got uh, a couple of ironies here for you. They are ironic, but they're placement ironic. So you'll get that in a second. But before I give you placement irony, I'd like to tell you that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of these bad things that I've been reading you today. Without Jesus, just imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. It's going to be a lot worse than that, folks. Without Jesus, it is going to be way, way worse. So if you're watching this update right now and you just click from update to update and you go and you have your ears tickled all week and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you might as well just start having your wife or whoever is closest to you stamp on your face every day. That's, it's going to be pleasurable compared to what's coming. Please get to know Jesus, all right? He came and he died for you. This is the God of the universe that said, I'm going to do what my creatures that I love cannot do. And so he came and he lived this perfect life that you and I could never live, which we fail at from day to day. And then he gave that perfect life up in exchange for your sins. And he now says, I will give you my righteousness and I will take your sin upon me on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is the glory of what Jesus Christ did for us. And he proved it because he came out of the grave indicating that he had no sin of his own and that your sin is washed away forever. If your sin was not washed away forever, he would not have come out of that grave. Salvation is eternal. Anybody that tells you otherwise is telling you a false gospel. Jesus Christ has taken care of the sin debt if you are willing to believe that gospel message. So please do it today. Don't get the face boots stamp thing or anything like that. Trust in Jesus, and he will carry you to a place that we can't even imagine right now.
can't even imagine. Okay, a couple ironies. These are placement ironies. They were side by side on Mail Online. They need to have somebody take their articles and move them around a little bit so that we don't have this type of thing. But first article, Mail Online. Now, scientists say you shouldn't drink alcohol at all. Even one small glass of wine a night can raise blood pressure, a study claims. Article right next to it. Mail Online, world's oldest man who liked to have a little drink dies aged 127 in Brazil, local reports claim. I, I'd say that's placement irony there. Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week.